This week we're talking about whether you unknowingly befriend people with the same childhood interests as you. Listen to Tortle Recall. It's my research required. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so just like a blatant promo then. Science and technology. Welcome to More Research Required, a podcast where we blatantly promo our other podcast in the opening. I'm Amy Giacomucci. I'm Abby Norling Ruggles. It is like, I don't know how we landed on this question, but it's it must have been on our list since before we started our other podcast, right? Because in our list, like questions document of like future questions we might do, it um like it's explicitly listed as do fre- do people who are fans of de- the Dealing with Dragons Enchanted Forest Chronicles find each other in later life? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, the obvious example would be Tortal, but no. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's actually one of the first things that we put on there. And it just hung around for a while. Because when I was a child, that was my favorite series. And I did not know anyone who read it. And then I get to college... All of my friends love it dearly and are, like, competing to be the person who loves it most a little bit right now for us. Yeah, I mean, to, to like, get the self-promo out of the way, I guess, we're going to be talking about dealing with dragons on our other podcast, Tortal Recall. So, like, everyone's very excited about that. Yeah, this was a coincidence, though. We did not... Yeah, we didn't pick to talk about this because of that. Yeah, we've had this ready for more than a month, so... Yep. We picked this question to do now, like, yeah, over a month ago, and then just today we found out that we were also going to be doing Enchanted Forest Chronicles on our other podcast, so there you go. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like a total coincidence, because as you pointed out, our friend group likes these books a lot. (laughs) Yeah, which is great, but where were they when I was 10 years old and I needed someone to talk about Princess Simmerine with? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, it's funny because I feel like, uh, like, a a lot of the people that I knew as a kid had read these books, but also not a lot of my close friends, because a lot of my close friends in, like, middle school were boys, and they didn't read it, which is a tragedy and horrible, and if you're a boy, you should really, really go read these books. Anyone should read them. Everyone should read them. Yeah, like, immediately, regardless of what age you are. Regardless yep. of just all demographics, demographic yeah, qualities. Yeah, whatever age you are, it doesn't matter. Just read them now. Mm-hmm. Do it. I've never listened to the audiobooks, but they're probably good. I think they are. They're full cast. That's very exciting. They're full cast? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm okay. I want to listen to the audiobooks now. I wonder Me if too. the library has them. Maybe we should give a little background just uh, if there's anyone who doesn't know these books. Uh, <laughs> Dealing with Dragons is a book by Patricia C. Reed about, um, I think, I feel like that might be not how you pronounce her last name, and I, like, learned that at some point, and I was shocked and appalled, but I don't know how you actually pronounce it, so. Patricia C. Reed, it's W-R-E-D-E. Dealing with Dragons is the story of a princess who doesn't want to get married, so she runs away 
and uh, gets employed by a dragon and they become friends and it's wonderful. Her whole thing is just being very practical all the time. I love her dearly. And also making good Cherry's Jubilee. Oh, and making good Cherry's Jubilee. It's a good, it's a good book. Yeah, and then there's there's three more that follow different characters. And also Dealing with Dragons was not the one that was written first, which is weird, but it is the one that you should read first. Yes, absolutely. You don't need to read the fourth one. The third one does end on a cliffhanger, just like... It's fine. <laughs> Make up your own ending. That's what fan fiction's for. <laughs> I don't know. I, I shouldn't bash the fourth one because I don't really remember what happens in it. I do. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Read all of them. Uh, anyway, that's not exactly what we're talking about. We just really want to talk about these books, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think that part of, like, uh, I mean, I think that's good background. And also, like, part of the good background is that you know, this is a book about a princess who's, you know, really competent and practical and, like, doesn't want to get married to a prince, so she does her own thing. And I think it was very formative for a lot of young girls and also maybe young people of other genders. I guess the question is, as an adult, are you more likely to befriend someone unknowingly who also loved these books as a kid than to befriend just, like, a random person? Yeah, like, books that you read in childhood are really formative. Like, there was a study a while back on how how Harry Potter, quote-unquote, makes you a better person. That's really just about, like, the ways that books and fiction can sort of teach you morality and, like, teach you to emphasize with people who aren't like you more so. And these books taught some really specific values, I think. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I do think there's, like, gotta be some mixed-up causality in here because um, these books definitely, if you read them as a young kid and you love them, they're probably gonna have an influence on who you are as a person, but also who you are as a person and also, like, the environment that you grow up in are things which could cause you to read or not read these books, and then if you do read them, to like or not like them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, like, it's definitely a, a bit of a circle of causality, I guess, that's hard to separate out. Yeah, and again, this isn't specific to the Enchanted Forest Chronicles. You can insert in whatever your big thing in childhood was. For example, I do not have friends who really loved Animorphs, and it's hard. It's difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was, like, uh, my, my other thing that I was thinking about was comics, and I have, like, one friend who's also into comics, and he was my friend in high school, and, like, we didn't even learn, like, we weren't, we weren't even really, we were, like, in the same friend group, but we weren't close friends until, like, one day when we were at Valley Fair, which is, like, the amusement park near the Twin Cities, and we both got sick on the ride, so we went to ride the baby rides together, and then we discovered that we both liked comics, and it was, like, our secret shame, but then we learned that, and then, like, that's why we were initially friends. So, like... That's not a good example. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's really I, beautiful, but that means that your friendship started with the thing, and we're looking at right, friendships that don't. Right, and that's that my only start. comics friend, is my point. But the thing is, like, I should hope that comics were less formative to me than the Enchanted Forest Chronicles, because they're much worse. And I hope that they have not had any significant impact on my character. <laughs> yeah, I hope that the good ones had significant impact on your okay, character and the like, rest of them. Okay, but like in the early them. 2000s, were there good ones? I well, Runaways. I will take Runaways. <laughs> I really because that, that was one of the first comics I got into. You do. 
Mm-hmm. But um not nothing else. Like now there's good comics. You've got your like Lumberjanes and your Ms. Marvel and your Hawkeye. But like in the in 2007 there were not a lot of good comics. The world's changed. Comics are good now. Yeah. Well, art mm, I mean some comics are good, but like Marvel and DC are very bad, so I don't want to like give them too much credit. Okay. Some some things are good now. A lot of things are bad. Most Sometimes are bad. people are Nazis. Yeah, okay, most things are very bad. But some things are very good as compared That's to being true. okay before. It's a give and a take. <laughs> anyway, do you uh do you wanna do some research? Yeah, let's do some research. <laughs> I read a study that was like not super related. I don't know, I thought it was interesting. Uh it was called um Expectations about ethnic peer group inclusivity, the role of shared interests, group norms, and stereotypes by Hitty and Killen, I guess. Uh, and that's from 2015. So this was a study about forming friendships in childhood. There, I don't think there are any current studies about forming friendships as adults and how that relates to your childhood interests. Um, Which is a shame. Well, that's what we're here to fix. (laughs) But so this was a study that uh, they took a group of non-Arab kids and they gave them fictional, um, they they sort of were like, okay, here's your friend group of four fictional American kids and then here's another friend group of four fictional um, Arab American kids. And here are the, like, lists of interests of the two friend groups. And, like, then here are some stories about people who want to join one or the other friend group. And they ask them, like, you know, should this fictional person join your fictional friend group? Or should this fictional person join the the Arab-American fictional friend group? It was kind of a weird study, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, But the results were that kids expected, quote-unquote, their friend group to include people based on um, their interests, whether that was, like, sports or reading or whatever, and they expected the Arab friend group to include people based on ethnicity. Mm-hmm. So I guess, like, for their for the in-group, they saw being similar as meaning similar interests, and for the out-group, they saw being similar as meaning similar ethnicity, which is... I guess not too different from what you would expect. It's, like, unfortunate. <laughs> I I also just thought it was weird that they, like, they got this sample group of kids and they explicitly, like, excluded some who were had Arab heritage. But, like, I thought it was very strange that they didn't make, like, a, a separate group of Arab Americans to also run this on and see what they thought. Yeah, I was about to ask you if they did that. And they didn't? They just, uh... No. I mean, like, I think to some extent the the study was not about, like, Arab people. It was about how do you feel about, you know, perceived immigrant populations. But, like, it really seems like it would have been helpful to get, the like, you know, the whole population's perspective on this. Yeah, I mean, like, where was this located? Because it is pretty difficult to get kids to come in for studies. Like, I used to work on a, in a language acquisition lab, and it's really hard to get parents yeah, bringing children. Yeah, I don't children. know exactly um, how they did it. The The su- study set was 199 uh, 6th and 10th graders from public schools. 
I don't know if they conducted the study in the schools or if they had them come in. Mm -hmm. It is like, you know, it's just filling out a questionnaire, so it's something that they potentially could have done in kids' classrooms. Right. I'm very surprised that they didn't bring in a group of ethnic minorities in their study that is about people's attitudes. They weren't all white kids. It was a a diverse group of non-Arab kids. Oh, okay. Sure, sure, sure. But they were only asking about Arab kids in their test. Okay, weird, but I guess... Yeah. Sure. Yeah, but I don't know. So, like, this is not... None of this is incredibly relevant to our question about making friends as adults, but I, like, you know, I think it brings up a relevant point, which is that um, there are a lot of factors which go into whether you perceive someone as similar to you, and I think a lot of that is going to be having a similar background, which could be related to having read the same books as a kid, but it could also be related to what ethnicity you are. And, you know, people are uh, maybe more inclined to sort based on the things that they think they can tell visually before even getting to the point where you might be like, wow, this person has a similar vibe to me. I bet they read similar feminist children's books. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why we need to start wearing t-shirts with our favorite feminist children's books on them. (laughs) (laughs) We do need some Tamara Pierce t-shirts, just saying. I'd look into it. I'd, I'd consider that. I want to read all the books first. Because that'll be faster than not judging my appearance anyway. <laughs> uh, so do you have some research? Yeah, mine was also not super relevant because there really aren't a lot of studies based on making <laughs> friends as adults because no one cares about making friends as an adult. Yeah, right? Like, I was just looking for any studies about adult friendship and very hard to find. Yeah, like, the people who I've made friends with as an adult are, well, dear beloved friends through podcast. But, (laughs) other than that, all friends who I went to college with but wasn't friends with at college. We were friends at college for, like, a year. I mean, you're not included in that. I made uh, you as a friend as an adult in fake adult time in college. That's true. uh, This is a digression, but, like, please care about making friends as as an adult. Yeah, definitely, right. And, like... Free advice if you're trying to figure out how to make friends as an adult. Starting a podcast is a great way to do that. Yeah, people have to hang out with you, like, once every two (laughs) weeks, and they can't Yeah, and then you meet other people who, like, also want to talk about podcasts. It's good. Sometimes you meet people with who are making a very similar podcast to yours, and then you're just friends. Check out the liberal arts if you're interested (laughs) in podcasts that are similar to our podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, we're doing great great this time with the promoing. Um, <laughs> okay, so the article that I read is called The Company You Keep, Personality and Friendship Characteristics by Lacasuo, Rotkirch, Berg, and, jo- and Yogala, and that was from 2017. Uh, so this study took a survey of 12,000 British people and their households. At one point during this longitudinal study that they took the data from, uh, the subjects were asked to name their three closest friends and answer a bunch of questions about them demographically, like their uh, sex, age, ethnicity, employment status for some reason, and also how long they've known each other and how far away they lived. Um, the, oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, the people who were the subjects naming the friends had already been 
put into different groups based on certain personality traits that they had. The one that was important here was openness to new experience and change. People who had a higher degree of openness to new experience and change were more likely to have friends who were demographically different from them and who lived far away and who to not talk to their friends as often. (laughs) (laughs) Well, last one's kind of weird. The others make sense. Well, I think that it's not that weird because like, for example, I have a lot of friends where it's like I talk to them maybe once a month and then every time I catch up with them, it's just picking up where we left off because life is busy well, and no, don't I mean, it's live not that me. weird to like not talk to your friends if they live somewhere different but why do, why is that correlated with being open to new experiences no idea and there are some things in this court <laughs> there are some things they say about correlation in here i should probably say that are pretty weird um like they they're talking about the fact that like if you have most of your friendships are actually kin relationships then that is normally what happens when a society starts to decline so that means that traits associated with having more kin relationships are related to a society in recline and i don't think that those things follow from one another i'm very skeptical of that (laughs) yeah did they like give any evidence or anything they have they cited a paper that was about how that was about like when kin relationships are higher that means that you have less like that you have less diverse relationships which means that you have less access to certain resources and like less genetic diversity if you're like an animal and not a human um i mean i definitely think that like you know traditionally societies where you like hang out with your family more are ones that are more like you know like there's less travel and like you know, less work outside the home and stuff like that. But I don't know, like, some of those were clearly societies that were on their way up to being more developed and more, like, you know, whatever, however you measure whether society's in decline. I don't know. It seems very strange. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would... I think there are a lot of things in here that it's just, like, this is other stuff that's happened. Let's tie it into what we're doing here. And, like, where that didn't necessarily need to be directly tied into what they did. They could have noted it differently. Um, But, (laughs) like, seeing the number of people who all three of the friends that they named were like, I've known them for longer than ten years. And, like, they live within five miles of me was fairly shocking to me. (laughs) So... I mean, I don't know, like, you say that, but, uh, other than, I guess, a couple of my podcast co-hosts, including you, the vast majority of my close friends are people that I've known since, like, fifth grade or earlier. I think that when I say shocking, I mean more that, like, I hoped that my experience of mostly being friends with people who live very far away from me and who I did not know as a child was more normal than it is. (laughs) Which is fine. Like, I don't need my life to be normal, but I would be a little comforted if it were. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, also, we went to a school where a lot of people that, that drew people from all over the country and the world, I guess, so that's... You know, if you're making friends with people in college and they live across the country, that I think greatly increases the chance that you will then leave college and still live pretty far apart, you know? Ooh, I wonder if there's like a weird confounding variable for education level, actually, for that reason. I I would guess that there was, but I don't know, and I would really like to see data on that. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so uh, forget our old study. We've got a new one. <laughs> no, don't forget our old study. I want to know the answer to that one, too. <laughs> okay, do you want to try to build a, build a study? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, um, so I think that what we should do is we're going to introduce our own piece of media and give it to a oh group of God. children. But make sure that we only distribute it so that it goes to one child in a friend group and it's difficult to share. <laughs> we specifically have to make it like a very inaccessible piece of media that's hard to get into but we also have to make sure that these kids are like very enthusiastic about it yeah like it has to be very good very well done but also arcane and really hard to get to and maybe- it has to have like so much like very intense lore <laughs> that you have to like memorize to understand it there are codes in it. Yeah. It's like part geocaching. <laughs> but also it has to be like, we have to really distribute, like, <laughs> um, we have to like make this media and then just like select a totally random sample of children across the United States, like regardless of, you know, race, gender, um, socioeconomic background, like, location, any of that stuff, and just give it to these kids and, like, make sure that they all get into it. (laughs) And then... It has to be really good. But the way that we get their parents to agree to this study is we also make them all go to the same college that they are automatically accepted to. Interesting. But then, but (laughs) we have to... We have to make them go to that college, but they can only be, like, 10% of the population of the college. Right, exactly. So there are other people who are, like, applying and getting in. Um, Yeah. Which, like... (laughs) I mean, in this case, I I would be worried that they would bond over, like, their weird childhood experience (laughs) of having some researchers show up and, like, really encourage them to get into this weird lore. (laughs) What? Which is not against the point of what we're doing. I think it's a little bit against the point. (laughs) It is a bonding experience that was formative for them. That uh, they did not know other people they could bond with about in childhood. It's basically the same. But I thought the part of the question here was like, do you bond with the people even before you know that they were also really into dealing with dragons? Yeah, that's the problem. And in this case, it would be like, you know, like college orientation, say some fun facts about yourself. When I was a kid, I got really into this weird lore because a researcher asked me to. And then the other person in your orientation group would be like, hey, me too. And then you bond. Yeah, so we have to find a way to make sure that that was not a weird thing. (laughs) We have to swear them to secrecy. (laughs) It's kind of like an ARG, like that's part of it, is that you have to be really secretive about it. God, why why aren't we doing research projects for money? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, who would not want to fund this research? Okay, yeah, um, so that's the experiment that I had planned as we follow them and their relationships. I think that there is another thing we could do with a survey. <laughs> I mean, okay, there's definitely, like, more reasonable things that you can do, but you can't say the most, like, wacky study idea first because we can't, like, back down and be like, okay, 
But really, we're gonna just, like, talk to a bunch of adults and ask them what type of media they liked as kids and also who their friends are. No, obviously we're doing the one where we create lore. <laughs> How dare you suggest I'm backing down when I'm simply asking that we explore all of our options and then discount all the ones that aren't us making our own school. And also yeah. making our own oh, media oh, oh, empire. Oh, we're founding the college, too. <laughs> yeah. We're not just, like, getting an existing college to give them free admission. Unlimited funding. <laughs> okay. So, like, just as a side project, we're gonna, like, design the perfect university setting and, like, build that with our unlimited funding. Yeah. Cool. It'll be good. <laughs> It'll or be good. It also could just be, like, a summer camp. But for adults. Mm. Mm. <laughs> a LARP? Well, what if it was just like, what if we just employed them when they were like real adults, like not college adults? What if we just like, <laughs> like just sent them a mysterious job acceptance letter <laughs> for a weird organization? Kind of like that um, <gasps> Sherlock Holmes story, the Redheaded League, where they just like hire the guy to like copy out the dictionary. <laughs> It's like that, but it happens in an office full of these people, at, like, specifically just to give them an opportunity to socialize with each other. That sounds good. Then we just track to see who they become friends with, and, like, maybe this could follow a few years to see if these are lasting friendships, and when do they find out that they are both into the same thing? I mean, I, th I assume if they're real friends, it will probably come up at some point. Like, I don't think that we can or should control for that, mm -hmm. but we should maybe, like, make a note of when they figure it out, because I think that's, like, it is an important data point if they, like, find out pretty early into knowing each other, and then that's kind of the basis for their friendship, versus if they don't find out for a while and be befriend each other anyway. Yeah, do you think that this is going to get kind of mixed up by the fact that there are some people who become friends, but not by talking about the things that they like? I don't understand those people. <laughs> Neither do I. I don't, like, I don't know what to say or what do they how it works. Do? How do they bond? Do they just talk about, like, other people? Because that feels, like, very invasive, honestly. Yeah, I think it's a lot of talking about other people. It's a lot of, like, talking about jokes that other people have said, maybe. I mean, that's weird. Like, on the internet? Maybe. Or, like... Just, like, telling jokes that you heard other people tell. Because I don't think that there's a lot of, like, people just, like, telling knock-knock jokes to make friends. I miss knock-knock jokes. Can we, like, take a break and talk about how much we miss knock-knock jokes? I don't really miss knock-knock jokes that much. Oh. I mean, they're fine. Sometimes they're fun. <laughs> okay. But yeah, like, will this be also affected by conversation style and, like the kinds of bonding that people do. Also, are there any studies about types of bonding in adult friendships? Yeah, I don't know. I wish there was, but I kind of doubt that there is. I mean, I think that could be like, you know, if we were gonna have a survey component, maybe just like before we did the mysterious job offer and also <laughs> like really intense media that swears you to secrecy, whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're making an expression. I was just thinking... I mean, we're giving them jobs, but what if we invited them to a mysterious ball where the benefactor who runs the ball is mysteriously murdered, and they have to work together to solve the crime and find his fortune? That could also work. But that's unfortunately a different bonding experience. However, the alliances 
that are made would be more snap judgments, and it would be interesting to see how a snap judgment friendship. I guess that's true. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, before we do all this, like, I think it would be interesting to just interview people, I guess, about, like, so what what types of stuff were you into as kids, and, like, how do you feel like that, you know, shaped you as a person or whatever, and then who are your friends, and what were they into as kids, and I'm just curious about, like, how well people could even answer that question, mm-hmm. and then you could, like, talk to their friends also, and see how their, like, answers compared. You know, if your friend has, if you were into, like, Lord of the Rings and your friend was into, uh, Gossip Girl, like, would you even know that about them? Yeah, that is actually really interesting. Like, do, do I have friends who were super into Gossip Girl as a child? I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Also, I can't believe that Gossip Girl was a series and it wasn't, and I haven't thought about it in like eight to ten years. Yeah, I really don't know why that was my poll. I have not heard anything about Gossip Girl in so long. I know. Blake, Blake Lively is there, I think. Leighton Meester. Anyway, should we maybe wrap up this episode? I feel like we're done with the study now. We, yeah, we made a study. Uh, so, uh, who's gonna fund this? Uh,. Great question. Do you know who's going to fund it? <laughs> uh, the Coalition for Adult Friendship, which I just made up right now, and I hope it exists. No, uh, there's probably some really good adult friends out there who've, like, started some kind of business that we should know about. <laughs> just some really wealthy, committed best buds who are adults. Actually, I'm sure that every psychology lab is, and, like, every sociology research department is a group of adult friends who have bonded over their love of sociology. Or adult academic nemeses. Either way. Yeah, I feel like a a fair number of them might be adult enemies. Yeah, either way, we can probably pull that and get them to give (laughs) us funding. Okay, sounds good. Alright, and would you like Uh, to speculate wildly about... Oh, did you have... No, I was going to ask you to speculate about wildly question. Oh, well, would you like me to speculate wildly? (laughs) About the results? No, I, well, we can both speculate wildly. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think that, I don't, yeah, I guess, I guess we'll figure this out from our, um, secret lore adult job offer stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, my hypothesis is that, um, liking the same media as a kid will be a Slight predictor, but not nearly as much as other similar demographic factors. Or, not similar, but, like, sharing demographic factors, such as, like, location, race, gender. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, but but if you study that, like, based on, also, compared to other people who are the same race, gender, et cetera, and in the same areas. Yeah. yeah, so I, I think that if you control for all that stuff, it might end up being... I, I think, I guess if we're speculating, my hypothesis is that it will end up being a predictor, but just not as significantly as all these other factors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, I would... I don't think I have anything more to add to that. That sounds pretty much like what I expect. <laughs> okay, great. Uh you're gazing wistfully into the distance. Oh, just like, I wonder how much childhood interest correlates to adult interests and how much that's a factor also. Like, 
we were clearly, clearly we both like dealing with dragons as kids, partially because we were both book nerds as kids and we're both still book nerds. Mm -hmm. No, but I did fall into that, like, that whole classics hole because every linguist Uh, is a former prescriptivist. And I did spend five years only reading classics and, like, books that are about the history of salt. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I got really made fun of in school for carrying around a book about the history of salt. And honestly, I don't blame anyone. (laughs) I mean, it was probably an interesting book, but, like... What? You know, just just read some YA, have some fun. I I know, I'm making up for it now. But salt was historically important, and you should know it was. that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Alright, so um, before we end the show, we've actually had a really good week for people interacting with our show. How did you find us? Uh, this is a great question. We love you so much. Continue interacting with us, but... Where did you come from? <laughs> we don't advertise the show. Yeah, I tweeted about it like three times ever. We do have another more popular show. So like, yeah, I mean, we've already done it this episode. If you, somehow you have found our show without listening to Tortal Recall, we have another podcast. It's called Tortal Recall. We talk about books that we liked as kids. So it is weirdly relevant to this episode by accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, um, it's relevant to this episode because this is a question that we care about, and then yeah, we made sure. a podcast that has to do with this question we care about. But yeah, I mean, thank you, people who are just listening to this podcast for reasons that I don't understand. Yeah, like, thank you. We appreciate it a lot. I would send you all a bespoke fruit basket if I could, and that includes Twitter user Kamenual and uh, Twitter user I'm a person dog. We also received a review on Apple Podcasts from Babe Truther, and we also got an email from a listener. This email referred to our episode about hyphenated names and also about uh, convenience store rivalries. So I'm just going to read a couple of things from it, if that's okay. The, uh, the episode about convenience stores was 31, and the hyphen episode was 30. Those were our last two episodes. Okay, so the first part part of this email is, I don't know if this is interesting or and applicable or just a weird personal anecdote, but my family did something kind of different in, with names. My mother kept her last name and my father kept his. Then I inherited my father's last name as my last name and my mother's mother's unmarried name as my middle name. So that's like a three ways up the line, um, up the line, what's the word, maiden name, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no, that is pretty cool. I like the idea of yeah, going back further to get, like, an older maiden name that has not made it down through the generations. Yeah, I think it's not super unusual to have, like, dad's name as last name and then mom's name as middle name, but this is a fun twist. Mm-hmm. The email writer went on to talk a lot about, like, um, like clan identity and names, and it's all super fascinating, and we might end up talking about it later, but it's a little too much for us to mention at the end yeah, of this Yeah, but thank episode. you for writing. It's but, really interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. And again, we might talk about it some more later. Um, but then they brought up convenience store lo- loyalties, which oh my God. is a... I just really care about this. Please send me your convenience store stories, even if it's just like your Wawa order. The email is, my dad's from the Midwest, Iowa specifically. Up there, they have a convenience store chain called Casey's. It's basically just a gas station with some food, but nothing wide in variety are made to order like Wawa or Sheets. It's like some pre-made pizza and donuts. The real loyalty isn't to the store. It's to one specific item that only Casey's makes. That's the pork loin sandwich. 
Imagine a chicken nugget, like that process of grinding a white meat and then making it into a patty, then breading and frying it, but with pork. And into a patty literally the size of my dad's head. We're talking about a decent 8-inch dinner plate size. It hangs well over the bun. And of course, you're not really from Iowa if you don't eat it with relish, mustard, and onion. Dad always got really into eating the pork loin as soon as we got into Casey's country. Anyway, are there comparable loyalties to specific food items in the Wawa sector or others? So glad you asked. In my experience in Delco, things that you really get into at Wawa. Wawa iced tea. Wawa half iced tea, half lemonade. Any hoagie, usually a shorty hoagie. If it's hoagie fest, it's whatever's the special. Also, hoagie fest is great. It's in the summer. You get discounted hoagies. Lately, they've been making it so that it has to be classic size, which I think is wrong. The shorty is the perfect amount of hoagie. Um, also, soft pretzels. That's all. <laughs> I didn't ask for any of this. <laughs> there are some good prepared foods. There's like yeah, some... we know, we know, we know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is... Abby doesn't want also, to Also, is there anything... This. Like, it's weird that you didn't call it an Arnie Palmer, but is there anything actually special about the Wawa one? What? You don't know the term Arnie Palmer. It's half iced tea, half lemonade. That's what it's called. Like, I'm aware of that, but I... Like, it can't be the same thing. It is. It's a tea cooler. I mean, Swiss it's Farms calls Arnie it tea cooler. Palmer. Wawa calls it half and half now. It used to be called tea cooler. Um... Well, that's weird. I mean, I guess, like, Arnie Palmer is a person's name, like a golfer, I think. So, like, I guess they might not want to, they might want to have, like, a branded thing that's not just, like, his name. But, like, that's what it's called. Okay. Uh, Sure. I mean, nothing's called by its true name in Delaware County. It's fine. (laughs) But, okay, my question is, like, is there, like... Is it just, like, regular iced tea and lemonade, or is the Wawa version actually distinct in any way? I don't Other know. Other than being I, from Wawa. I don't buy, like, sugary beverages outside of Wawa. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay, this has been enough conversation about Wawa on this episode. I'm sorry this keeps happening to you. <laughs> yeah, I allowed you to do this topic. <laughs> please send us more convenience store stories. Please. I really liked hearing about this pork loin sandwich. It sounds very large and delightful. Yeah, I'm also, like, I'm, I'm curious about what Casey's country is, because it definitely does not extend up to Minnesota, as far as I know. It could That's... be, like, southern Minnesota, but... Yeah, we could build a map sometime. Yeah. Anyway, our music is uh, Marie Curie off the album Discover Science by The Crips. You're normally the one who says that, so it took me a minute. <laughs> no you did great if you want to tweet at us about any of the fun discussions that we had during this episode or your obscure childhood interest please go to more research underscore i said that in a weird way and i also did it bad (laughs) (laughs) yeah at more research underscore on twitter more research required dot tumblr dot com on tumblr more research cast at gmail.com That's all the things that we have. You can also rate and review us on iTunes, and it would be nice of you to do that. That's all the things that we have. Um, (laughs) Yeah, okay, well, until next time, don't join a cult and stay curious.
explanation, I'm sure. <laughs> None? Nope, we're not going to talk about it.